Welcome to ACE Audio, the podcast that supports, educates, informs, and motivates manual therapists around the world. All right, welcome back. Thanks for joining us today. Bo and Sean here again. Today's topic, Bo, is uh, the problem with treatment protocols, right? We were talking about this the other day about, I think we had a question from someone asking about what's the, your go-to protocol for treating XYZ problem? And um, I think we agreed that the answer was there are no good protocols. Yeah, for sure. It's one of those things where we know the complexities of pain and, you know, understanding different ages, genders, social factors, psychological factors, hobbies, sports, whatever it may be. There's so many different factors that can influence um, someone's uh, presenting condition, their rate of recovery, um, return to sport, return to activity, whatever it may be. Um, there's a lot to consider. And I think if we stick to or went off a specific protocol protocol that you have to be um, at this stage by this amount of time, um, you know, it can be far too rigid. I think it's certainly beneficial to have treatment plans uh, and ideas of tissue healing rates and how long things should take, but to have a rigid protocol to follow step by step, um, I think that's far too simplistic. Yeah, I think the, the difference in the key words you used there were plan and protocol, right? The plan is we have to have a plan. If you don't have a plan, you're just flying blind. And so, you know, you just do whatever you, you feel like on the day and hope that it gets you to where you want to go, but you've got to have that kind of goal-oriented approach to it. And I think that there's, it's a bit of a minefield out there, especially for, for new therapists who are looking for a recipe. They're looking for an, a simple answer for complex problems. And I, we see it everywhere, right? In the marketing, we see on social media and on the internet where people will say, you know, buy this course, the, the, the 12 easy steps to solving TMJ pain or the, the five treatment techniques you need to solve back pain, or here's the technique that will solve all of your ligament injuries. Like, there's nothing like that that works, you know. And you'll always come across therapists who will say, oh, look, I use these three or four techniques for every shoulder problem that comes through the door. And as soon as I hear that alarm bell goes off in my head and I think, well, you know, I can I can list for you 27 different shoulder injuries. You can't tell me that your, your, your cookie cutter approach is going to be the right thing for every 27 of those, every one of those 27 pathologies. It's just impossible. Absolutely. Um, and I think that's where you run the risk of falling into a confirmation bias that whenever someone presents with a certain pathology or a certain type of pain, that this technique works for them every time. Um, well, you may be getting a result, but is it because of that technique? Is it because of other factors? Did they just get better in, in, in time? Um, so there's so many different factors Um and yeah, specifically putting a label on, you know, when we look at imaging now or any any injury, they're getting more broad and more umbrella terms because we don't really know the primary source of, of the pain, especially in, in chronic pain. Um, so it's, it's hard to um, sort of create a specific protocol for an injury that we don't really know what it is. That's right. And, and you, you, also touched on a key point, there's people often just get better anyway. And what we know, understanding mechanisms behind manual therapy and exercises, you can do almost anything to a human body if it's done with the right intention in the right setting with the right approach. 
and you'll get a, a reduction in pain or an improvement in symptoms in one way or another. So if you apply your cookie cutter template approach to uh, shoulder injury number 23 and shoulder injury number 12, well, then there's a pretty good chance that you'll have a reduction in pain for both people. But is that the best approach for that person? Will it just reduce the pain and improve some of their symptoms? Or is there maybe a better approach that's tailored to that person that will reduce their pain to zero and improve them faster and further? Like there's, you know, some result is different to the best result. And the only yeah, way to get the best result is consider that whole picture for the person. For sure. And that's where being a coach, um, you know, when you, when you treat someone for the first time, you might do a small amount of, of treatment, see how they respond. Because if you said, well, we need to be here by next week and they don't get there, well, they're going to feel disempowered. They're going to feel like they're failing. That affects their overall well-being, their psychology and their mood. So it's really about seeing how they respond the next session and then increasing your dosage with your, your treatment, your exercise intervention, whatever it may be, or decreasing it depending on how they respond. So it's sort of like you'll have this, this plan of where you want to get to based on their uh, the patient's goals and, and, and their preferences and then, um, you know, creating this plan to move forward. But we need to tweak that along the way and that will be um, progression, and regression, um, but always checking in with that patient to see how they're going. Because I think if we said, well, in eight weeks you need to be here um, and, and they don't get there, then again, as I said before, that can be um, quite disempowering. Um, and we really need to identify what is stopping them from progressing. Um, is that plan that we've given them right for that particular person? Um, does it consider all other variables, uh, their, their lifestyle, the activities that they're doing, their, their work, um, you know, genetic factors, a range of different things? Are they able to participate in, in the exercises that you've given them? Or well, what's stopping them? Is it, is it a time factor? Do they enjoy the exercises do they have the available equipment so there's so many different factors it's all well and good for us to say um this is a strict strategy this is the way that your tissue is going to heal well if that was the way then you know we would fix everyone in a in a four to six week period um you know it's especially when we start to look at chronic pain it's so different to uh, treating an, an a, acute injury. So let's say if you've had an acute hamstring injury, grade one tear, you know, there's a pretty good chance you're going to be back in playing in within four weeks. Um, but we know that that, that tissue healing um, isn't the same, uh, doesn't work the same in, in chronic pain. Absolutely. And a lot of those chronic pain symptoms that people have aren't actually related to the tissue damage itself. There's other neurological processes that have taken place that are perpetuating their symptoms and it's all psychological problems that are taking place perpetuating their symptoms. So it's not just that tissue. And this is where like setting someone a, a, um, a specific timeline, timeline for healing and a, that recipe approach to treatment, it does, you're right, it sets them up for disappointment a lot of the times if, if you don't consider those other things. Um, the other thing I think we would consider too is that Tissues can become injured by different mechanisms, with different mechanisms of injury. So, for example, someone presents with bursitis and 
you know, maybe your your lecture or, or your textbook or something says, when you see a bursitis, you should treat it X, Y, Z, one, two, three steps, whatever it might be. But what if the bursitis was sustained by a blunt force trauma versus a, a tendon rubbing against it, you know, versus compression? Uh, but, you know, there's various different types of mechanisms that can lead to a bursa being irritated. And so if you apply your manual therapy techniques to the, the bursitis, they go, right, okay, it's a pesanserine bursitis, I'm going to treat those three muscles that have tendons that cross over that bursa. I'm going to address those soft tissues, take tension out of them. That will unload the tendons, decompress the bursa, reduce the irritation. There's my solution. But if they had that pesanserine bursitis because they whack their knee against the coffee table, then there's no amount of soft tissue work on, the, on those muscles that's going to change their symptoms. It's you have a traumatic injury that needs to be addressed in a different way. And so yeah, treatment protocols, this is, the, this is the biggest challenge. There's all these other factors, the mechanisms of injury, the psychosocial factors, the tissue health, the systemic health of the person. Are they a smoker? Are they, do they drink too much? Are they overweight? Um, what's their systemic health like? How will that impact the timeline of healing? The psychology, do they want to get better? Or were they injured at work and they really hate their job? That's a big one. You know, you might, I know exactly how to get you better, but maybe they're not really motivated to get better in a hurry because they don't want to go back to work so quick. Like these are, these are factors we have to consider. And so I think it's, yeah, it's a big minefield for anyone who thinks that there's going to be a, um, you know, a, a, a recipe to follow for any injury. I think you sort of touched on a really, a couple of key points there, which is understand how tissues heal, understand the expected timeline for recovery. Um, consider the whole person, the psychosocial factors, all the other inputs that they might have, overlay those over, one, over the top of one another and then come up with a protocol, if you want to use that word, that's tailored to that person. It's like getting a suit made just for you. You can't buy a perfect suit off the rack. You have to get it cut to you, right? So the treatment's got to be similar in that way as well. Yeah, that's key. You know, if it's if it's a protocol, it's a protocol individualised for that person, but that needs to be a flexible plan um what you know you might look at say uh, an acute uh lumbar injury a lumbar disc injury it's it's useful to know time frames so that we can uh, tell that to a patient to say look this is probably going to take at least three months but you know most in most cases um it's quite a good prognosis and uh, lower back injuries most of the time get better within three months um, you know, there's exceptions to that and there's other factors that are, that are involved. But, you know, giving a patient an idea of, of how long things will, will generally take, that it's not going to be an overnight fix, um, that's a great start to sort of educate them on, on what's going on, how long it's going to take. This is the steps that we need to do to get there. You are going to have some bad days. You are going to have some bad weeks. But if you look at that, that, that um, month as a whole, well, uh, this month will be slightly better than last month and the following the next month will be slightly better than the month before so overall having this broad picture that over time they're going to get gradually better they can't expect to have this huge spike and be instantly instantly better um, and you as the therapist need to be the coach um, to just tweak things and, and guide them along the way, not do all of their recovery for them because that's just not what's going to happen. Um, you need to provide the treatment, the advice to assist them to, to take ownership, take control um, and, and help their own Im improvement. Yeah, and I think the, a key 
aspect of that too is also assessment. Like we talk so much about, all right, you've got an injury. What do I need? What are my inputs to you to help move you away from the injury towards, you know, healing towards health? But we forget that, um, you know, it's like you're, you're driving down a, down a highway and you need to turn at a particular road. Well, the only way you're going to know where that road is is if you're measuring where you are in space. Like you know that you're passing through this town. Okay, this road is beyond that. So those those landmarks down the road are the assessment measures that you put in place in your treatment plan. And so if you are taking someone from a grade one or grade three hamstring strain right through to recovery, you need to know what to look for along the way, firstly, to see if you're making progress. And secondly, to know what else you might need to do if things aren't progressing as well as they should. The other added bonus, of course, is that when you provide ongoing assessment, as in conduct ongoing assessment and gather data as you're going, you can take that data and you can feed it back to the patient and say, look, remember when you came in three weeks ago? Here's what your presenting symptoms were. I know that you're still suffering with some discomfort and some range of motion problems now, but here's actually where you are now. Can you see the difference? And they might not have recognised that they've improved by X range of motion, reduction in pain to a certain rating scale, whatever it might be. But if you've tracked that over time, you can reinforce that progress for them. And they can use that as something to sort of hang their hat on and go, look, I actually am making progress. I didn't notice. Like I'm still feeling some pain. Therefore, I feel like I'm not getting anywhere. But it may be half of what they started with. They just don't have that context. So measuring progressively feeding that back to the patient and using that as a guide as to where you're going next. Yeah, 100%. Those measurable outcome-based goals, um, you know, having a subjective assessment, subjective goals as well. Um, because, yeah, I mean, and I've, I've experienced that as well, where you'll, you'll treat patients and um, you might do a strength assessment or even, a you know, as simple as a um, verbal or visual analog scale and they might say oh I'm at about a, a four out of ten but the, the pain's not as frequent um, it's not as intense it doesn't last as long um, but initially when you came in you couldn't get to sleep at night you know it was stopping you from from working you weren't participating in sport um, so they might still have some symptoms but the severity has changed so it's really about um, settling down not only what's happening as far as the, the tissue injury, but the nervous system. Um, so understanding how, how the body will respond um, over time and then, and then giving that positive feedback back to the patient to say, look, you're doing a really great job. Um, hang in there. You know, this will get better. We've just got to let's, you know, keep along this path, we might increase your exercises or have a look at any other variables that we can we can play with. Yeah, you're right. And, and it's disappointing, I guess, for the person who was maybe looking for a recipe, you know, for a, a cookie cutter approach to solving all of the different musculoskeletal or whatever conditions that walk through their door. But, you know, for the person who doesn't have the answers but was looking for that answer, maybe the solution is actually, okay, go and study pathology pathophysiology, probably a better way to put it, understand how tissues behave when they are injured, damaged, when there's some pathology process taking place so that you can understand what that trajectory looks like. What does the etiology look like? Understand physiology at a greater level so that you can understand what, what healthy tissue looks like and how it behaves and systems that involve those tissues. And then when you combine those two pieces of knowledge and something goes wrong, where well, you can kind of see, you'll, you'll find clues as to, how you can come out of that negative situation towards a more positive one. And, you know, if you understand, and this is, I guess, um, the mark of, of someone who's kind of got the answers, if you can try to pull those things together 
and understand, all right, I understand how this particular injury, I understand how it should behave when it's healthy. And then, okay, what are my treatment options? You don't have to have every modality in the in your toolkit. You don't have to have every assessment technique in your toolkit. The successful therapist is going to be able to take what they've got and select, specifically select the, the techniques that they have that will be useful for that person. You don't have to go off and do some specialist course in, you know, shoulder pathologies or hip pathologies or something like that that teaches you a specific um, trademarked approach to something. There's, there's always someone out there looking to make some money off you. It's just about understanding your mechanisms within your manual therapies, mechanisms within exercise, and then how you can apply those to basically anything that comes through the door. You can produce a beneficial effect with just about any pathology in one way or another if you understand how to apply it to that specific pathophysiological state. For sure. And then, you know, not only applying a technique based on your understanding, it's applying that knowledge or providing that, that knowledge in, in form of education to the patient because just educating them on, on what's going on, why it's painful, why it may be a little bit worse this week, um, that can really de-threaten, reassure the patient um, and just in that alone can have a therapeutic response. Yeah. Knowledge is, is power. The more knowledge that you can give to a patient about what's going on, that can really reduce their fear, their anxiety, um, and we can use that to then get them moving, get them active, um, and, you know, back onto that, that road to improvement. So, yeah, um, sure. yeah understanding, understanding pathology and how, how injuries and, and pain tends to behave um, is, is huge. You hit the nail on the head there. I reckon I, from a personal experience point of view, in more recent years, I've, I've intentionally spent more time with patients just explaining their injury or their, their presentation to them, understanding, helping them understand why it's why it's behaving the way it is and then what they can expect it to do in time if they do this or if they don't do this. And I think the sessions where I've spent more time talking and maybe got to the end and thought, oh, you know, they're probably going to be disappointed we didn't do as much treatment. I've always been surprised how satisfied the patient is at the end of those treatments, well above what I expected um, because I think the power of that education, I think you're right, you know, it's just it, we who are used to doing treatment all the time, you know, hands-on patients, assume probably wrongly a lot of the time that our patients want that and only that from us but if you give them what they need sometimes which is a better understanding of their situation it empowers them to be able to take better control of it and that that in itself is therapeutic you know that confidence they have like now i get it now i understand that when i jump out of bed in the morning and go running straight away rather than warming up first that's why my pain is worse than after you know, after I've moved around a bit or, you know, it, whatever is relevant to their particular injury, but that, that education around their situation is empowering. It's therapeutic in that confidence reduces pain through the catastrophization of pain. Um, and so all of these things are useful. So, uh, yeah, I think the advice we probably give to everyone is don't be afraid to just spend a little bit more time explaining the problem to the patient. If that takes away from your treatment time, um, just consider for a fact that the education is part of the treatment. I completely agree. It's if you say you've got a, a, an hour and this is I've done this a lot with my students to say, look, it's an hour of your time. It doesn't mean that it's an hour hands on because your time, your experience, your understanding, your education um, 
that is treatment you know the way that we can communicate build trust build rapport if you don't have those things before you lay your hands on someone then you're probably not going to get a good result anyway um, so it's really about spending that time to educate the patient um, build confidence in their body build confidence in you as a therapist um, and then you know spend some time going through some, some movement, some exercise, make them comfortable with that movement after you've applied a treatment because you've reduced their pain with, with your hands-on techniques. You need to show them that it's okay to move. Um, and then one of my biggest tips would be um, follow that patient up. Don't wait um, you know, a week or two until they come back and see you again. Follow them up a day or two later and say, hey, how'd you pull up after that treatment? Especially if it's a, you know, a fairly new patient that you haven't seen much before. You don't really know how they're going to respond to that treatment because you might have done a little bit too much and flared them up and, and you know, they haven't gone ahead with any of their exercises and they're feeling pretty defeated that, you know, now I feel a bit worse. Um, or if they're saying, yeah, feeling great, excellent, um, can we get you to do a little bit more of those, those movements, uh, those exercises, that self-mobility? So you're sort of coaching them along the way rather than, you know, leaving a huge gap in between treatment. Um, you know, imagine if your doctor gave you a call the following day, how good that would feel. Oh, they, they really care. Um, not only that, it's really making sure that they stay on track and, and stay more accountable um, to the advice that you've, you've given them as well. Yeah, no, that's it. But I think that's um, that's a really good point. There. And that's, I guess that reinforces what we're saying before about assessment. You know, you won't know how well your treatment has gone unless you check in with them. You know, you might see them a week later, but most benefits that we get from a manual therapy treatment will wane within that week, they'll disappear or they'll fade, especially if the inputs that cause their injury are still there, like the, you know, the, the load that the, on the body or the mechanisms at play. So checking in that 24, 48, 72 hours after gives you a, a really good idea about what's actually been the fallout from the treatment. Has it been a positive or a negative one? Has it been a neutral one? And then you can tweak your treatment. Then you can tweak your, you can even tweak your assessment processes to be more specific as you go forward and, and target those that data that you actually want to capture. So um, I think we've covered a few things there, but that's good. Yeah, but it, but it will improve your experience as well. You know, you might have someone presenting with an acute neuropathy um, and you think, oh, yeah, they're much worse. Well, okay, now I know that next time a patient presents like that, I, I probably need to do much less. Um, maybe shorter treatment. Um, so, yeah, it really helps to build your your clinical experience as well. Yeah. All right. So the, I guess the advice we've got for anyone who's looking for a clinical protocol or a treatment plan that is pre-designed for a particular presentation is don't. <laughs> there, there's no, there's no um, cookie-cutter approach to anything. It really just comes down to knowing that human body really well, knowing your injuries and then understanding what tools you've got in the toolkit and how they actually work so that you can be really selective in the way that you apply them. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Definitely. Anything else to add? Plenty, but not for today. <laughs> okay, we'll save that for another chat. Nice one. All right, thanks, Bo. That was great. Talk to you soon. Yeah.